73rd Psalm. Thankful to be here this evening. Thankful for Brad giving me the opportunity. We turn. I don't know if somebody's in. Somebody at the sound booth. Yeah. Just turn it. Knee down just a little bit up here. Go ahead, Buster. Bless you, Valor. Bless you, Valerie. That's right. Bless you, Val. 73rd Psalm. We're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to read through the whole thing, so just bear with me here for a moment. It's truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well not slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about, about them about as a chain. Violence overcometh them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, and they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know it, know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought to desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. And as a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest... Thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? Is there none upon earth that I desire beside thee? My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. 
I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all that works. Yeah. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to preach here this evening. Lord, I, I'm thankful, Lord, that you laid upon Brad's heart a, a couple weeks ago to call her, to message me and ask me if I'd be willing to preach this evening. Lord, I've been excited since, Lord, but I, I also know that as much as I am excited, Lord, I'm anxious and I'm nervous all at the same time, Lord. So I just ask that you would calm my nerves right now, Lord, that you'll just help me to speak clearly, Lord, and uh, to speak the words that you would have me to speak, Lord, that you'll just fill me with unction, you'll fill me with liberty, Lord, you'll loosen my tongue and refresh my mind, Lord, that I might be a vessel that you can work through, Lord, and use in a mighty way, Lord. If there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know you, we ask that you would speak to their hearts, convict them, Lord, allow them to see their need for you, that they might turn their life over to you, Lord, before it is too late. And Lord, for the Christians in the house, Lord, I just ask that you would speak to their hearts as well, Lord, that we might that we might realize where we where we are and where we stand, Lord, and how we might need to draw nigh to you, Lord, and, and see where where our desires and where uh, where our, our intentions lay, Lord. Just help us, Lord, speak to our hearts, convict us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, uh, it, it's funny how the Lord works. I had uh, you know. I, Brad had messaged me, I don't know, maybe almost a month ago, and asked me if I'd be willing to preach. And, and I, like I said in my prayer, I've been excited since. I think it's been almost five months since I've, since I've been behind the pulpit, and honestly, and um, you know, with, with everything going on. So I was, I was really excited, and my mind has been all over the place. And um, at the beginning of the year, some friends of, of mine and I, we began to, to, through text message, you know, kind of encourage each other to, to, to get in the Word each day. And we've been going through the... The, the Gospels chronologically since the beginning of the year, and um, I, I kept seeing all these different things. I thought, oh man, that'd be good. That'd be good. Maybe that's it, you know. And yeah. you know how it goes. And last night I began to study something completely different from this. Come on, that's good. And um, I woke up this morning and I checked my phone, as I think we probably all do, maybe more than we should. And uh, Brad had, had posted the the times for this evening service, and in that he said, he, pro, he, he quoted a preacher that said, God hungry people find God. And then he said himself, he said, this is what we desire, God. And God just spoke to me, and then there he said, you can scrap Matthew. Right? You, you, you might reference Matthew, but you don't need that. He said, I want you to, 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 go, to go to this, desire. And that's the, the topic of tonight's message is desire. Uh, now, um, we look here in Psalm 73, and I'm, get, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to go there. If you if you go and look at the word desire, I, when I when I study, I, I really love to to go and look at definitions and the meanings behind words. If the word desire has, you can use it as a verb and you can use it as a noun. And in the verb, in the sense of a verb, the definition is to long or to hope for it. And you might say, I desire to to do this or to do that. As a, as a parent, or you're, you might say, I desire to have a day without the kids. You know, you as as. I don't know what else you might say. That, that's something that comes to mind for me sometimes. <laughs> you're, you're not laughing. Like, like you guys don't think, think the same thing. If you've got kids anyways at the house. But If you look on, on the other side of things, desire is a noun. The, the definition says conscious impulse towards something that promises enjoyment or satisfaction and attainment. A longing or craving. Something longed for or hoped for. And... In the other sense of that, if you were to put it, use this in a sentence, you, would, you wouldn't say, I desire to do this or I desire to have that. You would say, my de- this is my desire. You are my desire. That's something as a husband, you might say to your wife. As a wife, you might say to your husband. You might say, you are my desire. I, I love you so much. You are my desire. You, it's not that you just desire that one thing or desire something, but it's that that one thing in and of itself is your desire. Yeah. Uh, 
it almost seems singular to me. You, you could talk about what your desires are, and you could talk about multiple different things, but I feel like when you say that something is your desire, that's the only thing that you're focused on. Right, right. right. You don't want room for anything else. Why? Because that one thing is not just a desire, but it is your desire. Uh, you go down through the, the dictionary there, and, and it gives you some synonyms. Synonyms. Synonyms, not cinnamon. Synonyms. <laughs> Uh, wish, want, crave, covet, they all mean to have a longing for something in a sense, but there are differences between those words. You look at the word wish, and sometimes that implies a general or transient longing for the unattainable. God is not unattainable. Right. Let me tell you that. that That's right. With, without a doubt, God is not unattainable. If you want something that's attainable, He has made Himself available to yes. each and every one of us. Right. He's not unattainable. So the word wish doesn't work here at all. When, we come, when it comes to talking... To our relationship with God. You could say want, and that specifically suggests something that's a felt need or a lack. We could say, yes, we need God, right? But I don't want to just need God. I want to desire God. Uh, I feel like when you compare those two words, that a need is something of necessity. And let me tell you, God is a necessity to us. I, we cannot make it without Him. Right. But it ought to be more than that. Yeah. We ought to want to desire Him. Crave, it stresses the force of physical appetite or emotional need. When I hear the word crave, I think of a, of, of a woman being pregnant. She would have different cravings. But those just come and go, right? And, and I've never been pregnant, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I have cravings too, right? We crave different things at different times. Yeah. That's just here and there, right? Comes and goes, ebbs and flows. Craving, that again, I don't believe craving works here either. Covet, on the other, and another one, covet, it implies a strong, envious desire. When we look at the Bible, covet Coveting is a sin. So I don't that definitely doesn't apply here. But desire, on the other hand, it stresses the strength of feeling and often implies a strong intention or aim. Yeah. yeah. We've got to be intentional in our relationship with God. Yeah. Alright. Right. Uh, Tom Price talking to him before, you know, he says, if you if you can make excuses for something, then you have really no intention to do that. You're not making the time for it. If you if there's something you need to do, then you're going to make the time for that. You're going to be intentional, in, intentional about getting that done. That's right. Yeah. Seeing that through. Right. God, we've got to be intentional with our relationship with God. Verse 25, I'm going to read verse 25 out of Psalm 73 again. It says, whom, I, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Wow. With God as our desire, we should desire the things of him as well. So I've got three points real quick. We'll get through these as quick as I can. There's a lot of reading though, so I'll ask you to bear with me. But the first thing that comes when we desire God, and not just desiring God, and not just Him being our desire, but we should desire the things of Him, we should desire to seek God. Turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and there was a noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one of the sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof 
where he was, and when they had broken it, broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power right. on earth to forgive right. sins. Right. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. So Jesus was in this house. He, he had uh, gone into Capernaum, and he was in this home preaching. I'm going to get a drink of water before I can't see another word there. He was in this home, and he was preaching, and, and there was Pharisees and teachers of them all over. And if you would go to Luke, uh, this, the same account is recorded in Luke. Luke even states in that, the, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. Right. I, thought, I thought how powerful. In Luke, it says that they were doctors. I thought even the doctors in there, and the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. Those who were there to heal others, the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. And there were four men. They, they heard that Jesus was here preaching in this house, and, and their friend was paralyzed. He was a paralyzed man. He was sick of the palsy. And they desired to seek out Jesus, to find him, to get their friend to Jesus, because they knew if they could just get their friend to Jesus, that Jesus could heal him. And they carried their friend there. They, they had him on the bed for him. And they carried him. They got to the house. And the crowd was so great that they couldn't get inside the house to get to Jesus. So that at this time, they tried to get to him. But the, again, the crowd was so great. They realized then that they had to find an unconventional way if they were going to get to Jesus. So they decided, all right, let's take him upstairs on the top of the house. And then they, then they start breaking up the, the roof. And they lower the man down. That way they could get him to Jesus. And it's then when Jesus sees their faith, he looks at the man, and he heals the man, and he says, Sons, thy sins be forgiven thee. If we want to seek Jesus, we're going to have to do unconventional things. Right. We're going to have to do things that, that probably people are going to look at us and think, that's crazy, that's silly. Why on earth would they go through those links, go through those efforts, do all that just to get to him? But that's what these men knew they had to do. They desired him so much. They sought him out so much that they weren't just going to get to the door and say, well, you know. I don't know. It looks so crowded in there. We can try again next time. Maybe next time there won't be as big of a crowd and we'll come back. They weren't going to take the easy way out. Right. They weren't just going to, you know, quit there because, oh, that looks too tough. That looks too hard. No. They desired him. To, they sought him enough. They were going to find an un, do an unconventional thing, a crazy thing. That way they could get their friend to Jesus. That way they could carry through with what they desired to see their friend healed. It's going to take us. Seeking God, doing unconventional things. Like, people are going to think we're crazy. I was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we've, I've been reading, trying to read through the Gospels chronologically. And what I noticed as I went through Matthew and, and read through the, not the, the Sermon on the Mount, everything that Jesus mentioned there in the Sermon on the Mount, you know what he's telling, us, telling the, the listener or the reader to do? Do the opposite of what everybody else thinks you should do. <laughs> do the opposite of what society thinks is the right thing to do. Do the opposite of what tradition has told you to do. Do the opposite of what the fake laws, the made-up laws tell you how to do. Do the things that nobody else is doing. Those are the things that I want you to do. Turn your cheek when somebody slaps you. Don't hit them back. Love your enemies because 
Even the even your enemies love the ones that love them. Love the ones that don't love you back. Right. Do the unconventional thing. Do the thing that others are not doing. Why? Because that's oftentimes that's what it's going to take. Just get outside of the box. Get outside of our comfort zone. Row out a little bit deep, a little bit deeper. Get uncomfortable. Get in a situation that we didn't think. I I, I don't want. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be in that situation. We're going to have to do things that are unconventional, uncomfortable, that get us out of our comfort zone if we truly want to seek seek Jesus and have a desire to seek Him in our lives. The second thing that we should desire is not only should, should we desire to seek Jesus, but we should desire to follow Him. Turn to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. It says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt at Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. And it might be, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death light, is sprung upon. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net to the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee. Their father mended their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left the ship with their father and followed him. So this, this marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry as recorded in Matthew. And, and Jesus, knowing that John the, Baptist was, John the Baptist was in prison, he decided he would set out for Galilee. And when he gets to Galilee, to be, he gets there to begin his ministry. As he's there, he's walking along the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two men, two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew. And they're, both, and they're casting nets into the water. And it says, the Bible tells us, he calls them, saying, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says in response, it doesn't say that they, they sat in their boat for an, an hour and thought about it. Right. It doesn't say that, well, we've got to get this job done today, Jesus, but maybe tomorrow we can meet up with you. If, if that fits our schedule, it says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. I looked up the word straightway, directly, right away, immediately, without hesitation, they immediately, straightway, got out of their boats. I don't know how far, I, it says they were casting nets, so I, can, I would imagine that their boat wasn't anchored to the shore. It doesn't say that they, they rode in, it says they got out of the boat and they followed him. Right. I would imagine they, they Jesus, his, him calling them was so compelling that they couldn't stand it, that they had to dive out of the boat right then and there and start swimming ashore. That, that, that way they could meet Jesus and immediately begin following him. Yeah. Again, without hesitation. So from there, John and Simon and Peter, they walk on down the shore a little bit more. And it says there he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them as well. And immediately, it says, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. When it comes to following Jesus, 
Chances are we're going to have to leave behind things that we're used to. Leave, again, leave behind things that we're comfortable with. Leave behind maybe the people that we know. Leave behind maybe an occupation. Who knows what God might call us to leave behind when He calls us to follow Him. Right. But we've got to have a desire to follow Him. Again, it doesn't tell us that the, the disciples, the four men, it doesn't say that they pondered on it a little while. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm bad about this. <laughs> I, I, if I can just be as, as transparent as I can be, I am, I'm a, an overthinker, and my wife's probably back there shaking her head up and down. She knows that I, that I mule things over and over, and sometimes that, don't get me wrong, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll jump into something that God never called us to. But when we know that God is calling us, right. we are, we've got no reason bless you, bless you, to want to mule that over a little bit, to ponder on it. No, when He calls us, we should follow and just like Corey said this morning, I, I promise you, I am not preaching at you. If there's anybody that needs to hear this message through and through, it's Darren Crow, okay? When God calls, our desire ought to be to follow Him immediately, without hesitation. Leaving behind the things that, that, that we think are important, leaving behind the things that, that we once knew, we, we leave those and we follow and do as He calls us to and do as He asks us to. James 4, 8 says, draw not to God and He will draw not to you. I don't know about you all, but I'm thankful for that verse. Yes. To know that it's not just a one-way street, that he's just sitting there expecting me to, to, to follow. No, the Bible says if we draw not, if we're intentional, if there's that word again, if we're intentional and we draw not unto him, yeah. he's going to draw not unto us. The next thing that we should desire, and then the last, that we should desire to serve him, which take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus set a meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have something to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say along. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said to him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered in, into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Right, right. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they, they that set up meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. We should desire to serve him. Jesus had been invited to eat at a Pharisee Simon's house, 
And uh, as they were eating, Jesus accepted and he went to Simon's house. And as they were eating, the Bible tells us a woman, which was a sinner, and there's speculation that, that this woman was a prostitute. She was most likely considered the lowest of the low within their community. She entered into the house and she found out Jesus was there. She brought with her an alabaster box of ointment. Now later on in Jesus' ministry, there's another time where I believe it's Mary uh, anoints Jesus with an alabaster. With ointment from an alabaster box. And it's told, it tells us there that the, the price of that box was essentially worth someone's year, a year, worth someone's year's wages. It, it wasn't just, she didn't just find a little box of canola oil at the store right. and bring it with her. No, she brought the most precious thing that she had to her so that she could serve Jesus. Yeah. And she brought it to, she brought that box and she came in, and the Bible, she begins to anoint his feet. The Bible tells us that she sat behind him at his feet, anointed him with her hair, and the tears, and the anointment, and she continued to kiss his feet as she anointed. Again, this woman was probably considered the lowest of the low in the community. The the Pharisee and and the others that were there, I don't know who else was at at dinner there with with Simon the Pharisee and Jesus, but you can imagine the thoughts that were running through their heads thinking, who is this woman? Why is she in my house? Who does she think she is to come in here and to disrupt our dinner, this nice setting that, you know, I've gone through all these efforts. In the Bible, I would imagine that Simon, obviously Simon desired to have Jesus come to his house. If he didn't desire to have Jesus come to his house, he wouldn't have gone through the effort to, to invite him, to have his servants prepare a meal. He desired him to come to his house. But that was just a momentary thing. He knew at the end of the, at the, end of the evening, at the end of supper, at the end of the, their time of fellowship, Jesus was going to leave. Yeah. But that woman came in and gave everything that she had so that she could serve. I, I imagine that she just didn't desire to come and serve Jesus. Jesus was her desire. Yeah. Everything that was within her, she wanted to come right. and to worship and to serve the man that she knew could forgive her of her sins. Right. She broke so many other rules that society would have. It says that she anointed him with her hair. The society, society at that time, the women were supposed to keep their hair up. But they didn't let their hair down. But they didn't, if they were out in public, they didn't, they didn't let anybody see their hair. But no, she let her hair down. She brought in something that would have been so precious to so many. And she broke it. That way she could anoint Jesus at his feet. But women and men, they didn't associate with one. But again, just like just like the men who brought their friend to Jesus, they didn't care what others were going to think. They right. did something unconventional. Yeah. Just like like Simon and, and Peter and James and John, they left everything they had. They didn't care what uh, probably all their friends thought. I can't believe they just left their boats. They left their nets. They left all, all their their occupation, everything they knew, everything that they've ever worked for. They just left it to follow this guy who just said, "Hey, come follow me." They did the unconventional. And this woman, she didn't care about the rules either. So I don't care if there's a bunch of men in there. If I'm going to go in there, I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to give everything I have right. just so that I can do that. Just so I can serve Him. Just so that I can worship worship Him. Psalm 48 says, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy law is within thy heart. And John 12 and 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. There, there's, there's so many other things that I feel like we, we can go on and on with this message about what our desire ought to be when it comes to our relationship with Christ. We, we ought to, and I fit this passage here, we could, we could 
tie that in about our, our, we ought to have a desire to worship Him. We ought to have a desire to, to be around His people. We ought to have a desire to be in His Word. We ought to have a desire to pray. There's so many things that when it comes to our relationship with God, we ought to have a desire for. Right? Yes. And, and I thought about that. And I, well, why? Some might ask, why? Well, we need God. He doesn't need us. But He desires us. Huh. You're right. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to give our lives to Him. He wants us to give everything that we have, to let it all go, to follow Him, to serve Him, to worship Him. He desires a relationship with us. He doesn't need us. Right. He can do it all on His own. He doesn't need us, but He desires us. And because of the fact that He desires us, why wouldn't we want to desire Him yeah. and for Him to be the desire of our lives? Let's go back to Psalm 73 real quick and close. I'm going to ask if somebody would come and get a a song of invitation this time. What I'm wrong. If you look at this song, and you go back through and you pay attention, this this song was written by Asaph, and, and the title that my Bible gives, it says it's the mystery of prosperous wickedness. And uh, Asaph goes through, and, and he was distressed. He was confused. He, you know, he was looking at what was going on around him. He's saying, thinking, why are all these ungodly men, all these wicked men and countries and nations that don't, that don't serve God, they don't follow Him, why are they prosperous? And he talks about how they wore their pride as a necklace, as a chain or around their necks. He talks about how their, their violence covered them as a garment, how corrupt and how wicked and ungodly were. And, and as you go on reading in verse 17 and 18, he says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, until I went to the dwelling place of God, it is then then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Yeah. Thou castest them down into destruction. After looking to heaven, he realized their end is destruction. They're setting themselves up for failure. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we make our own selves our own desire, you know what we're setting ourselves up for? We're setting ourselves up for failure. Just like these men that Asa talked about. But Asa goes on a little further down. I'm going to read 25 and 26 again. He says... Actually, I'm going to begin at 23. He says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Psalm 27 and 4 says, One thing have I desired of thee, Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the day of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. I, I said it earlier, if there's anybody that needs to hear this message, it's me. I, I don't want you to think that I'm up here preaching at you, that I've got this whole thing figured out, because I don't. I, I see over and over, God will reveal to me how I, I'll get my priorities out of whack. I'll put things above him, above my relationship with him, and I'll, I'll think, and I'll think I'm doing the right thing, right? I'll get, I'll get caught up in my work and think, well, this is, this is my job. This is how I, how I make my money. This is how I feed my family. I'll get caught up in my relationship with my wife, and that's a, a wonderful thing. I, I, I love her, and she loves me back, and I'm thankful for that. But my relationship with her should never be more important than my relationship with God. And I'll think about my children, and I'll think, you know, I'll try to focus on that for a while, trying to, to, to you know, to spend time with them, 
And again, if we're not careful, we'll get things out of whack. We'll get our priorities out of line. But again, Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I, I'm, if I focus on him and my relationship with him first, you know what? He's going to take care of my job. Yeah. He'll allow the things that I need to get done for, for work to get done. He might even give me a better job. Who knows? If, if I put my relationship with him first, you know what he's going to do? He's going to allow my marriage to flourish. I believe that. If I put him first, my relationship with him, I believe that he'll, he'll allow me to work on my relationship with my kids. That I'll be able to raise them and, and, and hopefully uh, to guide them to him. But I've got to put him first. We've got to desire him. We've got to desire to seek after him, desire to follow him, desire to serve and worship him. Amen. Again, why? Because he desires us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. That we might be able to have eternal life through him. If, if you're, as they get a song of invitation, if you're here this evening and you don't know him, you, you've never given your life over to him, I, I beg of you, you'll never do anything better in your life. You can search the world over trying to find the things that will fill those desires, fill those needs, fill those, that emptiness in your life, but it will never amount to what God can do for you in your life. And if you're a Christian here this evening, I, I hope that... Uh, Something has been said this evening that maybe hurt your heart and allowed you to see, hey, I, I need to do better about this. I need to, to work on this. I can, I can grow in this. Because that's, that's what we're all trying to do, right? Right. As they give us a song of invitation, as, as Pastor Brad comes to the invitation.